Hi, I'm Kelly Harlock and I'm Sasha Kelly and you're listening to the very first episode of That Classical Podcast for 2021. Isn't that oh crazy, Kelly? That is <laughs> crazy times. Really hope this year is a little bit better. A little bit better than 2020. Yeah. Uh, but yes, welcome to the show. Today, we actually have a listener to thank for the idea for this episode. Yeah. Uh, because a few weeks ago, a lovely lady called Tegan emailed us saying thank that you, Tegan. she would love to hear an episode about some pieces we dislike. Okay. I love, I love this idea. She said, and I quote, we were quite positive about the pieces we shared, which I think is true. Mm, <laughs> I think we are usually true. quite positive. We yeah. are positive people, um, I think. Yeah, <laughs> very, like overly positive, like, annoyingly positive at times, I think people would say. <laughs> but she also said that it's hard to discern the full scope of someone's taste just by their likes, which is completely true. And she would love to get a more complete picture of how we relate to classical music. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. isn't that great? So, you know what, Tegan, and to all of our listeners, you may not know this about me, but I'm British. <laughs> well, you probably know that I'm British, but as a British person, uh, one of my finest qualities is that I love to whine about stuff for hours. <laughs> you know, uh, the weather, a disappointing mm-hmm. sandwich, a mm-hmm. moisturizer that doesn't work for my skin type, mm-hmm. you know, you name it. I'll have a moan about it. So do just so do you people know, call you whinging pom. Do you call yourselves whinging poms or is that just an Australian thing? <laughs> do you call us whinging poms? Yeah. That's what Australians no say. They're like, way. oh, do not another whinging pom. And pom, for anyone who doesn't know, stands for prisoner of Mother England. Oh. Does it? Yes. I thought it was because we liked potatoes. <laughs> no. really it's it an acronym like for potatoes. prisoner of Mother England. <laughs> oh, you learn something every day. Genuinely oh, didn't know there that. You go. Um, yeah. But so yeah, you know, I've got that um, reputation already, and I'm happy to to fill that to fill that cliche. <laughs> I'm for so you. pleased to have like given you yeah. some information to like set Thank up you. why you're allowed to complain. There you go. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, but so yeah, so but Sasha, you know, you're going to be joining me in the complaining. But oh yeah, I feel like it's important <laughs> to preface the episode by saying that we don't actually think that any of these pieces are like actively bad. No, music, we don't think that. Right? No, because that would also be mean. And also, I couldn't. I can't write music. I have tried to write music. Right. I cannot write music. I sound like an emo 13 year old and that like, it's just not good. So anyone who's actually successfully written a piece of music is already on a higher benchmark than me, but I'm still allowed to dislike things. So, right, exactly. Yeah, and we're both. That's where we're coming so, like, from. Yeah, you know, we're just saying like these pieces. They are expertly written, but they're not the pieces we would choose to listen to of an <laughs> afternoon or like ever. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's fine. Right. So the first piece then that I'm going to talk about slash complain about uh, is by Mozart. My man, oh. Mozart. Now look, listen. I bloody love a bit of Mozart, of course. He makes me laugh. He makes Mm -hmm. me cry. Mm -hmm. He gives me goosebumps. He inspires Mm me. Yeah. But (laughs) But. um, this piece (laughs) makes me want to chop my own face off. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's the Sonata Facile, otherwise known as the Piano piano Sonata Number 16. Now... Mozart described this piece himself as a little piano sonata for beginners. 
And indeed, okay. I think the reason I can't listen to it is because this piece reminds me of not just me learning the piano, <laughs> but everyone in the world learning the piano. Um, and it was like it was only nicknamed Sonata for Seal because it was written uh, on the title page of its first edition. Like Mozart didn't coin mm. it as that. But I'll, I'll mm-hmm. tell you this for free: it's not actually for Seal. It's not easy. And I resent that it's got the word easy written all over it. Because when you're seven years old and you're, you're being shouted at by your piano teacher, I tell you this, it's it's not an easy play. All right? No, it's not. And it's also, it's like Mozart, one of the greatest geniuses to ever walk the planet. Right. Yeah. Saying something is exactly. easy is not really, like, it's not a level playing field. Like, his easy no, is not. still our difficult. So, Precisely, yeah. precisely. And... <laughs> Nice try, Mozart. Yeah, nice try. Not having any of it. Wolfgang, if that is your real name. Um, Wolfie. But I, Wolfie, oh, I actually did once as like a teenager, just, I loved Mozart so much that I did want to call my firstborn child Wolfgang. And I don't know <laughs> if I still will. I haven't told my boyfriend that. So yeah, that's I was like, just, does your uh, current keep partner that know ourselves. that that's on the list? Because... <laughs> No, no. You might want to bring not. that up well uh, and truly in advance. On the day of the birth, I'll just throw yeah, it just like, throw it into the ring. Wolfgang, right? It's throw such a hat catchy in the name. So also he wrote it like just a few years before he died, like a couple of years before he died as well, right? Mm. Which makes me think if he was like you know what, guys? I've left such an amazing legacy. I've written dozens of enduring masterpieces. Now I'm going to write the most annoying piece known to mankind <laughs> that every piano student in Christendom will have to learn. Like, just to, like, mm. spite people, because he just, he was like, I'm on my way out. Maybe. Well, maybe mm. he didn't know that. Well, maybe he just felt like he'd achieved so much that exactly. he just wanted to make people feel that he wasn't quite as, like, you know, like he was just a mere mortal like the rest of us. He could sometimes write stuff that's not quite as good as his like but genius standard. I'll admit though, like it's only really the first movement, the Allegro movement, that really just like ticks me off. The middle movement, the Andante, is kind of fine, and the rondo at the end is also something I would never choose to listen to, but it's not as infuriating to me as those like first cursed notes of the allegro <laughs> and so just know in your souls that if this piece ever comes on in my vicinity i will just eject myself from the situation so like don't be alarmed if you see me like hurling myself out of a window it's probably because the sonata for seal has has just started to play you're, you're like you know how train stations and banks play classical music at night to like keep youths away you know, have Do you they? been? Yeah, it's like what? this new technique that like train stations to like stop like young people loitering, they'll play classical music to keep them away. And so oh you're like God. specific. Yeah, it's, it's, well, I'll find the link for it and I'll send it to you, but it's definitely a thing. I've definitely been at train stations where they do this too. And I'm always like, I'm enjoying like it. So jokes on you. Them away? Like, yeah, is, is it meant like, to act like a high pitched like scream, but it's just yeah, classical it's music? Like, yeah, because the other one is that high noise that because you know how you lose frequencies as you get older, like your ears. Yes, yeah, yes. So there's yes, another yes. one that they'll sometimes play a frequency that only people under sixteen can hear. Wow, I feel like they should just play the brown note, and then that <laughs> would just make people run away. What? Or is like the brown a, note real? 
Like, is that a real thing? Because I, fa- I swear, I learned about the brown note in school, I think in an actual lesson. And as far as I know, the brown note is a frequency that makes you poo your pants. And I what? don't, and like, is that true? Is it I true? I don't Listeners, know about tell this. me. Is oh, the brown note real? Know about this. Because I feel or, like if it was real, it would be really like weaponized. Almost. Yeah, or maybe so, they could just play like unresolved tritones. Oh, yeah. Ooh, There's so many yeah, other yeah, options. Yeah. But what I meant to say is that your specific version, like if if a bank just played yes. this piece on repeat, you would not loiter because it would I'd like, never loiter repel at you. Bank. Yeah. It would repel me from that ser- the bank services. Yeah, exactly. I would eject myself. Eject. Um, but on that on that note, that okay. brown note. Shall we listen? And I will yes. just have to cover my ears. Yes. Okay. Hit me. Let's do it. It's the Victoria sponge of classical <laughs> pieces. Like it's just basic okay. and boring and overdone and quite dry. <laughs> wow. I so really like that's I such don't a like reveal sponge. about the Victoria sponge, <laughs> Kelly. That's like really shocked me. More I actually than the have, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Maybe we should have an episode about cakes we dislike because lads, I I just have never liked a Victoria sponge. It's just so boring. I think, and that similarly, a childhood of being handed a slice of dry, like store-bought, like crap Victoria Mm. sponge. I don't know if our American listeners have a Victoria sponge in the States. I'm going to say that a disappointing Victoria sponge is a disappointment. I'm not sure that I've ever felt so disappointed that I've written off the whole category of cake, but I take your point (laughs) that it is a disappointment when you get a bad slice of sponge. It's just that that's what makes me, that's what that piece makes me think about. It's like, oh, I don't Mm. want another slice of this and I don't want this Mm. cake again. And yes, I mean, what else can be said? And yet here I am. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you hate it at all, Sasha? Like, does that annoy you, or is that no? No, that Mozart piece doesn't really like annoy me or frustrate me in any way. I just feel at most probably ambivalent about it. It's just like a perfectly decor. It's like a nice piece of like (laughs) architecture where you're like, yeah, okay, okay. It's nice to look at, but it doesn't move me. And I'm not going to like buy tickets to something because that's on the program. You know, I wouldn't be like, oh, this is a not like I can't miss this. <laughs> it's going to be, a, I think, a theme for this episode that the mm. pieces we dislike are basically filler pieces. Like we don't hate them, hate them really but mm. we just dislike that they're not great. <laughs> I don't know. Like I think I think my first choice which we'll talk about in a second, is a piece that a lot of people... It's just very divisive. I think people either okay. love it or they hate it. In which case, 
I'm going to wrap up because I don't even want to talk about this piece any longer. <laughs> so um, to everyone, to all our listeners, like, let me know. Is this a piece that bothers you? Am I going crazy here? Like, tell me what your thoughts are. And uh, you're not going crazy. You're allowed to dislike whatever you want to dislike. That's totally fine. Thank you very much, Sasha. That's very kind. <laughs> and I will take that and run with it for the rest of the episode. That classical podcast. So Kelly, as I just said before, I think my piece isn't what I'd describe as a filler piece, but I would say that it's divisive and that people okay. either love it or they hate it. It's by Maurice <laughs> Ravel. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to also say upfront, I do love Ravel. His string yeah. quartet is amazing. His mother goose suite just like shreds my little insides into tiny oh. emotional pieces. <laughs> and I want to make it very clear, this is not a space for bashing Ravel. Okay, thank you. But it is when it comes to Bolero <laughs> because I hate <laughs> Bolero so much. <laughs> I feel like that is such a common feeling. And Chris Bland and I like... It was a running joke that we absolutely hated Ravel. Uh, not Ravel, no, never Ravel. Uh, but Freudian we absolutely hated. There. Oh my god, no! I'm so sorry, Maurice. Um, but no, like Valero, it's just it's one of those pieces, isn't it? It is divisive. You're right, mm -hmm. but I feel like mm -hmm. there are there may be more people who hate it than love it. So I did some research on this because I was like, I really can't just have a phone call with Kelly where I just talk about how much I hate it because <laughs> I need to come up with some evidence why. So I'll set the scene first. Ravel was asked to write a new ballet piece for Ida Rubinstein and he was mm -hmm. on holidays with a friend who was a music critic of a local newspaper. They were good friends staying together. They were about to go for a swim and Ravel went to his piano in the morning before they went for their swim and he like was working on this melody and he said to his friend, don't you think this theme has a certain insistent quality? I'm going to try and repeat it a number of times without any development, gradually increasing the orchestra as best as I can. And what oh I God. say to that, Ravel, is that you didn't do good enough because <laughs> <laughs> he did exactly what that says. Like that is the whole issue with Bolero is the lack of development. It is literally the same thing on repeat over and over again. And like somewhere around the seven minute mark, you're like, what is time a real concept? Have I been living yes. in this piece for right. eternity? Where is the end? Do I die here? That's how yeah. I feel when I listen to Bolero. Is this how I die? I went and read all these quotes and apparently I'm not the only one who feels this way. Ravel felt this way too. So he said afterwards, he's like, I'm particularly anxious that there should be no misunderstanding as to my Bolero. It was an experiment in a very special and limited direction and it should not be suspecting of aiming at achieving anything different from or anything more than it actually does achieve. Before the first performance, I issued a warning to the effect that what I had written was a piece consisting wholly of an orchestral texture without music of one long, very gradual crescendo. So basically wow. he said that. And then 
he was really surprised and kind of annoyed at then how popular it became. So when it was first premiered, um, Toscanini did several performances with the New York Philharmonic, like right when it was first written. And both times he played at double speed, which is just mind boggling <laughs> to me because it's, it's like, what? And so when then Toscanini tried to get Ravel up for a bow, Ravel refused and like wouldn't stand up and just sat in the audience and then wouldn't <laughs> shake Toscanini's hand afterwards and said it was too fast. And then Toscanini in reply went, it's the only way to save this piece. And Fair then, play Toscanini. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the premiere, Ravel was sitting with his brother, Edward, Edward, I should say. And his brother heard this woman like yelling over all the applause, rubbish, rubbish. And apparently <gasps> when Edward told Ravel that story, he said, oh, that old lady got the message. Wow. And then <laughs> he said later to the composer Arthur Honegger, I've only written one masterpiece, Bolero. Unfortunately, it has no music in it. That's also a quote. I love that quote. That's my favourite. Once he was at a casino in Monte Carlo with this conductor called Paul Perret. And Perret said, oh, do you want to come gamble, Ravel? And he said, I've already tried my hand at gambling. I wrote Bolero and won. So I'm never going to do it again. (laughs) So it's just like, what is going on? Okay. Now this isn't necessarily a fact. So that's basically end of Ravel also agrees with me. We don't like Bolero. Right. But I also came across this fact, Kelly, while I was researching and I cannot let us hear it without me telling you. (laughs) Okay. According to a survey commissioned by Spotify, Bolero is the third most popular background music for sex (gasps) after the dirty dancing soundtrack and Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye. No. <laughs> no. No. Yes. That, yes. That can't be so, true, Sasha. I'm going to leave that with you as for factual reference. I want that, you to find out if that's true because oh I read goodness. that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, um, my goodness me. So people <laughs> make the act of yeah. love to yeah. that. They find this piece romantic. Oh, yeah. No. The third most romantic piece after the Dirty Dance. And you know what? Like, <laughs> yeah, the Dirty Dancing Wait. soundtrack and Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye, two choices that I could go, I can see where people are coming from. Bolero, I can't see where people are coming is from. Is it with because, that. and I'm sorry because this is gross, but is it like, is it because of the steady build? Is it because of like the steady crescendo and that's well, what people actually, are like trying to... It's uh, interesting ooh. that you raise that because Ravel actually thought that's why it was popular. He said it was a highly sexual piece and that he thought... Is that is ridiculous. And, and all of it was in like <gasps> this steady, repetitive... And he said that people were really primitive and he used it as a, as a thing of being like, oh, people are so gross that's why they like Bolero, which I just oh. find like mind boggling because he wrote it and put it out into the world. And but it's it like, was oh. like a joke that went right. It was like a meme that turned into a serious yeah. thing. So like, actually he did have another quote 
that he said, my bolero should bear the epigraph, get this into your head. So oh, that's what he thinks. It sure does. That should and be, in other places. Yeah. <laughs> and um, this is the last bolero fact I have, because actually there were quite a few interesting points, but this is the last bolero fact. Yeah. It's actually in terms of global ranking of copyright payments, one of the highest earning pieces of music of all time. Wow. Okay. And they think that, so it earned something like 48 million euro <gasps> in copyright by the time it went out of copyright in, I think, 2016. Someone can um, fact Let's check that. I might be wrong. But yeah, <laughs> um, it's earned a huge amount of money. And they think they polled the French population in 2008. I don't know who does these polls, but hey, <laughs> yeah. they polled this, the French population and 73% of people said they knew this piece. Like that's quite 73 a lot. 73% yeah, of all decent. people. Yeah, that's like, decent. Yeah, I know what that melody is. I've that's had amazing. sexual relations with someone to that piece. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> that was me pretending to be a French person, by the way. I'm not talking about it. Um, I was like, yeah. um, overshare, Kelly, but sure. Um, thanks for telling I don't me. Mean it. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so I feel like with all that information in your head. Wow. Um, oh, and wow. then personally what I dislike it. <laughs> right. This yeah. is this is why I didn't like it. Right. Um, there's a really and this is so niche and so specific, but whatever. Um, there's a really hard trombone excerpt. Like the solo for the trombone in Bolero is really high. And huh. um, I love the trombone. I think that is a well-documented fact. Yeah. But while I love the trombone, I hate people who cannot play the trombone and play it very loudly and badly. And there was someone specifically in a brass band that I used to play with that used to play the bolero like um, excerpt as his warm up, and it was terrible. Oh, and Ooh. and then he'd split notes, and it was just such a chest beating macho. Oh, I That's can play hard. high notes, but then couldn't, and it just filled me with a lot of anger in the warm up process. And then I just never got over it. Really, That's basically like the end. A weird trombone like, flex. Yeah, I hate yeah, that. Yeah, and then I'd like go hear the piece in concert, and I'm like. It's not much better when you add all the other instruments. Like it's just not. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't the, get. It's not like a Mahler excerpt where you're like, oh yeah, that makes more sense because then like these guys do this and these guys do this. It's like, yeah, no, literally, the trombone just does what everyone else has been doing, but I just, just like halfway through and really hard. But it's I don't know. Anyway, it is impressive when someone does it well, but whatever. Also, here's another fact. I, I've learned so many facts about Bolero. George Lucas was going to use it as the soundtrack to Star Wars before hiring yeah. John Williams. Yeah, and it was also meant to be the uh, tune to The Legend of Zelda. But um, what? it couldn't. Yeah, it was meant to be the Zelda theme tune, but then it couldn't be used because of copyright. And so that's why the like the the actual like original uh, Zelda theme tune was was born because it was basically a huge Bolero copy. I'll send. I'll put a video on um, wow. on Twitter that compares them. Well, it's really I, great. I think now I've chatted about it enough. Let's just like <laughs> revel in yeah. the piece. Let's do it. <laughs>
So Kelly, did you understand like the endlessness? Did you get a sense? Oh, of I it did. I did understand the endlessness. <laughs> I'm also just like, I actually don't think I can ever listen to that piece again, Sasha, <laughs> because of the knowledge <laughs> that you've imparted. Like, I find it a bit gross. <laughs> now, like, I'm not a prude. I'm not a prude, and I want the world to know that. But, like, mm. I just, mm. now I can't stop thinking about why people might be listening to that piece, and I just think it's ruined well, for me now. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I didn't want to come across that fact either. It just was happening when I was doing my due diligence. Yeah. I was doing my research. I was trying to be an informed podcast host. And yeah, you and you did those things. You delivered. I did. And I just came across them. I think what I'm just realizing is that it is worth listening to the whole thing through to really get a sense of what I've been trying to describe. Because in Mm. isolation, it's like quite a harmless melody. It's just, it is that sense of like the fever dream bit where you're like halfway through and you're like, does it ever end? Will and I like you only really get that by like committing the time. I think we'll talk about this with some of our other pieces, but it was so popular and I know we used to play it when I worked at a radio station and, you know, when you're working, you just can't, you can't be like, I hate this piece and skip to the next one. Like you just have to sit yeah, and go to the loo and make yeah. a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> But it follows you to the loo, Kelly, because the it radio plays everywhere. In the corridor, in the toilet. You can't escape like, oh, it in just the building. Stop it. Just yeah. stop. Yeah, oh. yeah. Anyway, so that also brings back those mm. memories. Hilarious. But yeah, that's that it, here endeth my sermon on Bolero. Amen. That classical podcast. So the next piece that I would like to bring to the floor to bring in front of the jury today Mm -hmm. um, is one that makes me so stressed out, like actually stressed out whenever I hear Mm. it. I think I do actually hate it, which is something I don't say often about (laughs) classical music. Like I hate it. And yet it's so ridiculous that it actually makes me laugh. Which is quite weird. Like, I hate it wow, to the extent that it's a, funny. That's a kaleidoscope of emotions, It Kelly. is. It's like, I feel like an evil witch, like, cackling with hatred whenever it comes on. Um, it's the sabre dance from Cachaturian's oh, Ballet, yeah. Guyana. Now, we haven't actually mentioned Cachaturian much on the podcast, which is a shame mm. because... Not least because his name is really fun to say, uh, but we should definitely do an episode on him. I, I mean, love Cachaturian yeah, same, on the most part. Same, yeah. same. I mean, he just uh, as a very brief summary for our listeners who don't know about him, he was an Armenian composer who was making music in the kind of mid twentieth century. He wrote concertos and suites, and actually even some film scores, which I didn't know. Uh, mm. But he's best known for his ballet music, which is what we are focusing on today. Mm. Uh, so, for some context about the sabre dance right it's from this ballet called Guyana about a young woman called Guyana in Armenia her husband I mean it's a classic ballet moment her husband is a drunkard layabout a smuggler who causes loads of trouble threatens to casually drop their child off a cliff as you do uh, and eventually gets arrested by the commander of the Soviet frontier guard who then falls in love with Guyana and then they get married. So this like Soviet naturally the end classic ballet, classic ballet. There we go. Don't question (laughs) it. It just happened. So the saber dance then happens in the final act of the ballet where 
all the characters seem to be getting married. Just every, every character that's appeared in the sure. ballet seems to just get married to another character <laughs> that's also been in the ballet. So that's great. And loads of colourful folk dances basically start happening on stage. And uh-huh. So it's like a it's like a giant joint wedding. It's like a big... Yeah, it's like... Everyone's wedding, getting yeah, married on the huge, same day. Huge okay. wedding. Yeah, exactly. Just loads of people yeah. getting married at, at once. Okay. And as, yeah, as you might have guessed, the sabre dance is one of these kind of folk dances that, that are happening on stage. And it's based on a real Armenian folk song, apparently. There you go. Mm-hmm. And okay. listeners, for you, especially for you, I made myself <laughs> watch a performance of it on YouTube. Like, I forced myself Did through you? it. And the only way, the one single way I can describe what I saw for you um, was just relentless chaos uh, on stage. Like mm. a bunch of ballet dudes just jumping just jumping up and down mm. everywhere. Wooden swords in both hands, just jumping, leaping. The main character's like swooping oh. in for a second and then there's just more jumping. And I didn't want to be there, Sasha. I don't know why I thought this, but I thought the saber dance was, I thought it was like a dangerous version of the limbo. Like I thought there was like <laughs> some jumping over swords or something. Like, like am I wrong I've, for I'll, I'll imagining that? There's a lot of sword waggling. There's some waggling and waving <laughs> of the swords. Okay. Not that kind of sword waggling, okay. not a Bolero sword waggling. But <laughs> like, like, I, I, oh, I, we're going to get a bit of a theme <laughs> today. Just, <laughs> like, oh God. No. But um, it's just like, you've got two swords in your hand. You just wave them about while you jump. And I'm sure, mm. again, like, I don't want to diss the ballet dancers because obviously they're very skilled, but they were just jumping mm. around, like, leaping around like crazy. And it's another situation that I mm. needed to eject myself from. So, yeah, that's fair. Also, though, behind all of this, behind the facts and the mm. figures, my hatred mm. for this piece was not helped <laughs> by the fact <laughs> that I heard the sabre dance at just. It's like lots in our old job because basically Sasha, mm. both Sasha and I, uh, at one time or another, worked on a breakfast show um, at, in, a, in a classical radio mm. station, and the show had this. The programming of the show was like, it, first of all, it was live. It was live from six until nine. Mm. The first hour was more mellow because it's 6 a.m. People are waking yeah. up. The music was a bit more chilled. But then, yeah. for some, like, this is what they decided. Fair enough. Come 7 and 8 a.m., the idea was that the music would be up. It would be up and at them. Up and at them. Get your yeah. face on. Start well, the day. Get out of bed, you, you lazy bum. You good in the morning, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Right. And like, uh, but, but there's a line. Because I remember this piece would come on at like 7.30 mm. in the morning and I was just never prepared. Like, my body was not prepared. Can I just argue for you, Kelly, that I don't think anyone's ever ready for the sabre dance? I like, think you're right. I don't think the, the the listeners weren't. Well, I think some people like feeling like, get up in the morning, like, let's go, <laughs> let's go do this. But, like, if you're not, if it's, it is a high-stress piece. And I think if you're a high-stress person... Yes. Which maybe well, we both are. This was my point though, Sasha, because like, it's like, like oh, it's not a good like, feeling. I can't yeah. convey, I can't convey to the listeners <laughs> enough who haven't worked in radio, a live studio environment where you are the only producer, yeah. like 
in the building <laughs> sometimes <laughs> like um oh like, no it's that, exhilarating kelly it's exhilarating no, no because like anything <laughs> and everything could go wrong and you know That's like true. for example just one example you as the producer you let 40 seconds of dead air go out in your first week on the job <laughs> you know me that was me yeah. that oh. was me by the way not you i'm not saying you as a producer but that's what i did and like you don't one doesn't need added stress in a live studio environment Mm. and i just felt like this piece is so stressful it gives me anxiety like at the best of times and yeah i um, think that's totally fair enough do you know what that is like really fair it's it's like i'm all for having fun guys i'm all for fun but there's sometimes like too much fun and also like look let's let's listen to it but you tell me listeners Mm. if you were getting up at 7 20 past 7 in the morning and brushing your teeth would you brush your teeth to this you decide stresses me out about that piece everything is that I feel uh, everything well yes um okay first thought I had was god the percussion like anyone playing the offbeat like that would be terrifying like I think playing offbeats at that speed it's like doing a tight rope walk where you're like if the conductor's terrible or if someone like does something like weird and you get distracted like it's all gonna come off the wheels right sure then i think it's two and a half minutes long and this is where i think the radio stuff gets stressful because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there was nothing worse than like when you had to do something important for broadcast in a two minute piece when you're like <laughs> and then a two minute piece that sounds like that like not benjamin Britten's simple symphony or yeah. whatever we used to put on yeah. all the time like something mm. that's like literally going like you have no time it's going really fast yeah. and then, i can't yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. come on hurry up and the, like literally the piece is saying like hurry up hurry exactly like your newsreader it's the top up. of the hour your newsreader is nowhere to <laughs> oh, be seen God. the and ads are like, firing <laughs> Oh, the ads haven't loaded and you're yeah. like, quick, I just, oh, the, your, your yes. presenter's like, the screen's got black and you're like, God damn it, like, oh, just let me do this. Or like, oh, um, you've lost the connection on like if they're on a, a separate studio and you're like desperately trying to like reboot something. Oh, so exactly. many memories, Kelly. So many so memories. Many. So many memories, so little time. But, you know, um, that is, that's Kachaturian's Sabre Dance, guys. And I would challenge any of you out there listening to enjoy that piece. <laughs> like, that is my, like, d- does anyone like it? I think to recreate the experience, do something that's time sensitive and then put that on very loudly in the background. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So do something that you need to complete with dexterity and finesse <laughs> and grace and poise <laughs> and grace and poise and like yeah so like a situation where you have to stay calm but have that playing in the background and then you'll understand what we went through at 7 30 <laughs> in the morning as like, well that's how a radio broadcast feels 
exactly a producer at 6 8 7 a.m which i'm gonna have a controversial opinion and say i love that feeling kelly (laughs) and that's where we differ young sasha that's where (laughs) we differ that classical podcast Okay, so Kelly, after doing so much research on Bolero, um, I kind of got really grumpy about my last choice because I basically have just decided it's all of Haydn's symphonies. Yes, could not agree more, babe. (laughs) I've gone in specific. I thought I should pick something specific. So I've gone and picked his London Symphony. And then when I was researching about it, it kind of illustrated the point to me. Basically, in 1790, Haydn's like rich patron, um, the Esterhazy family, um, Prince Nicholas had died and basically left Haydn a really good pension. And then the new prince was like, eh, I'm not so into your music, Haydn, but like he's, you still get the money. So like basically go do your own thing, but he's, you're rich now. And then like he got this massive contract in London to base it, they were just basically like churn us out some symphonies, like come to London, write these symphonies. And Haydn wrote, he was just like, I'm earning so much money. They all love me. Like there was mm. no hardship. Like there was right. nothing in this that I felt like I am, I am drawing long straws here. I sure. am aware. Yeah. But basically he just was like, life is good. I'm paid a lot of money. Yeah. Everyone in London thinks I'm amazing. The audience is packed. Mm. I've never been so rich in my life. Here's a piece of music. Like just whack and it to out. Me, yeah, just like here it is. And I just feel like when I listen to these, I'm just like, yeah, it sounds like that to me. It <laughs> just really like, does. It, it just really sounds like someone does. who's just like, here you go. Here's, here's a con you gave me a contract, I better fulfill it. Blah, like here's some stuff on a piece of paper. Now, whether I know I'm being completely unfair because I couldn't do this, but <laughs> I just it, I'm gonna tie back into our radio past, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> I just felt like any time you like were running out of time or you've gone over your talk time in the hour or you've gone under your talk time and you're like, oh, you know, the piece that we put in there to get us up to the news, to get us there on time is like two minutes too short or something. Right. Every time the answer was always a Haydn symphony. More Haydn. Like it was always like. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, don't worry. Haydn's 50 zillionth and 70, like the second movement goes for exactly the amount of time you need. Right, and so it's exactly. Just like, you always ended up with just some banal movement from some obscure symphony of his hundreds that just like filled time. Yeah, nobody explained to Haydn the idea of quality over quantity. I think is the issue. Like, is he didn't he write like a hundred and fifteen symphonies or something? I think it was something like that, mm. and like. Yeah. Surely at number 100, someone should have like tapped him on the shoulder and said like, but is it good? <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. yes, but it's 100. Maybe just but, take like, a little bit longer good? next time and write yeah, one exactly. instead of 10. The great irony of this, Kelly, is that when I was going to try and find an example to play today, to be like, this mm. is why. I actually just started listening to his London Symphony and was like, this is quite nice. (laughs) And then I realised that what used to drive me nuts 
was just the the like ordinariness of it. Okay. So I think like in isolation, I actually could appreciate it a little bit more. But I just hate that it's like it's like there's a hidden for every occasion. I just didn't feel like they're right. special enough. It's always like you need four and a half, you need four minutes thirty eight of music to fit there. Then there's a hidden piece for you. You need three yeah. minutes seventeen. There's a hidden movement <laughs> for you. And I know that's like right. a really specific gripe to have, no. but I just felt like it was always chosen for the for the time reason. I think also. Like it's sad that you can't you can't discern one symphony from another is my yeah. issue. It's like there's nothing oh, absolutely. of note in like the military symphony, the surprise symphony, the mm. clock symphony, the London symphony. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember mm-hmm. why I remember these names. <laughs> but like I they're there because of I probably all the times I had to look at them on screen oh, in this because radio. Because you had to bring up incessant facts yeah, about them. Exactly. Because also that's notice. the other thing that Sasha and I sorry for going on about radio so much, but like we had to write back and like we had to back announce these pieces or like yeah. intro them and you'd have to get an interesting fact about these Haydn symphonies from somewhere to give mm. to the presenter who was waiting for it and mm. there's nothing going guys there's nothing yeah. there's nothing about them that's interesting apart from the title of it is about London like yeah. do you know it's like so yeah I mean like props to him he made a lot of money he did something that I just don't have the brain power to do sure he's yeah, highly yeah. well respected yeah. he's pretty famous like, he's all right know who he and is. I love, do you know what I love a string quartet like he yeah. uh, by Haydn like he really he's the father of string quartet of course like it makes sense but like uh-huh. He's uh-huh. certainly not a bad composer, and I, like we completely agree with that. But it's just the symphonies; yeah. it's just a step too far. Yeah. So I thought, let's just hear to illustrate my point. Yeah. Um, let's do and it. And I actually think of all of the things I've nominated today, the Haydn one might raise the most hackles. Like I think people might genuinely come for me about Haydn more than anything else. Well, so I respect you if you do. <laughs> Give us a good presentation. I'm. Totally open to having my mind changed. But yeah, this is how I feel about it. Let's hear let's hear a movement from the London Symphony. Yeah, I just listened to that movement and I was filled with my same sense of just nonplussedness. It's just like, so, you yeah, just, okay. Oh, it's so blur, isn't it? And yeah, it's just nothing. I don't know. I guess it's a bit exciting, but. Yeah, I feel really spoiled complaining about Haydn symphonies because I feel like yeah, that's same. the thing is that actually they're not objectively bad. They just don't excite me. And I exactly. just feel like the sheer number of them is overwhelming and gives yeah. me the opposite reaction of excitement. I'm not like, oh my God, look at all these symphonies there are to discover. I'm like, why are there so many? 
Why? And it's the, it, may, it because it's like the opposite of special. It's just yeah. like another one. And he was very and, adept but and good. But yeah. like it was just, it's not, I don't oh. want to listen to it. That's the issue. I don't yeah. want to ever sit and listen to it. There you go. But you know? to end on a really happy note, as I was just looking <laughs> through my library, I was mm. like, Haydn wrote a trumpet concerto that's awesome. And I was like, that's like, he you did. know, when you instantly just go, oh, he wrote so much great music. He did. Why? Anyway, so that's, I want to end it on a positive note that yes, there is plenty, there's always something out there to discover to give you fresh eyes about a composer, even if you feel frustrated at number yeah all of the composers we've mentioned today have incredible pieces it's just that these ones are just not i just i think they're just a bit of a letdown really that's all just a letdown i would just say go and explore haydn's catalog and i mean feel free to disagree maybe there's a particular symphony you love but there's also so much of his to discover that you're gonna love as well so yeah go listen classical podcast so that was our episode on pieces we don't really enjoy listening to but are very good pieces but we just don't like them uh thank you again yeah. to tegan who emailed us and asked <laughs> us to do this we absolutely hope that this was everything you dreamed of and if you're like tegan and you've got like an idea that you think that we should do then by all means don't be a stranger make sure you email us um we're at that classical email at gmail.com. We love getting your emails and suggestions for topics. So absolutely. And you know, we'd also love to hear about what pieces you don't like that may be a bit surprising absolutely. Or, or maybe the, the, everyone hates them too. So Sasha, how do they get in touch with us if they want to talk to us? Well, the email that I just listed, but we're on all the social media as well. So on Twitter, uh, that classical podcast, um, on Instagram, where that classical Insta, and then on Facebook as well. So whatever means necessary, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like vehemently disagree with one of our choices today, if you are the closeted Bolero fan that just wants to tell me how I'm wrong, then absolutely launch your arguments. I am ready. <laughs> exactly. No, please, please disagree with us. And um, also we would really appreciate it if you could go to your uh, podcast provider and leave us uh, a cheeky five-star review as well. Thank you to everyone who's been reviewing us so far. Um, we just, we love to hear from you on there and it means the world to us when you, when you leave us reviews there. So that would be lovely as well. It warms the cockles of my heart, I have to say. <laughs> Absolutely. And otherwise, we'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.